0: Hello and welcome to the Construction Corner Podcast, I'm Dylan, I'm your host, and on today's episode we are talking about financial statements from the Deltek Clarity Report. There's going to be a ton of very technical terms in here, and we're going to do our best to define them for you so you understand all these financial metrics and what people talk about when they throw all these terms around. So without further ado, we're going to dive right into the Deltek Clarity Financial Statements Report and tell you what is up in the industry. All right, so here we go. Looking across financial statements in the AE industry, many financial metrics are trending upward. This is great. The positive financial statements pave the way for firms to increase investment in employees, nurture client relationships more effectively and improve business processes. With increases in some metrics such as overhead rate, total payroll multiplier, total employee cost, and average collection period, understanding why numbers are increasing in your firm is key to ensuring they are increasing for the right reasons or if corrective action is needed to get back on track. High performers are still doing exceptionally well in several key financial metrics. The few metrics that decreased this year may be attributed to additional costs associated with investments in staff, higher costs of doing business, and tax changes implemented within the last year. This year, additional challenges and initiatives were added to the study regarding finding and retaining qualified staff and training project managers on financial management. High ratings of these project management and human capital management-related challenges in the financial section Reiterate the importance of alignment between leaders in finance, operations, and human resources. So key data points. There's three big ones. 14.4 operating profit on net revenue. This increase for the 10th straight year. So bottom line profit is 14.4%. Not too shabby. Utilization rate. 59.8% up from 59.4% last year. So let's uh, real quick, we're going to define what the utilization rate is. So the the utilization rate is a percentage of time a person spends doing billable work. Utilization rate is not the billing rate. Billable hours are the number of hours that you can, uh, working hours you can charge to your client, while the utilization rate is the percentage of total working hours that can be billed. Um, So basically, if you have a lot of Uh, staff meetings, sales meetings, uh, development work, things like that, Um, training, those are all overhead hours basically. Um, And so you're going for a targeted basically rate of 60%. So this means that some of your like project managers and uh, management staff, basically executive staff are not going to be billing as highly. Their utilization rate might be like 50% while you're and something like your top executives are going to be like 0%. They're not going to work directly on projects. Um, but then you need your uh, other staff to be your production staff primarily to be at like 80%, right? Where they're building the majority of their work um, to the client, right? They're working on actual projects. So 59.8 was the utilization rate. So call it 60%. The next one, net labor multiplier is 3.01, increase from last year's 2.9% six so the net multiplier net labor multiplier is the ratio of net operating revenue to direct total direct labor so net operating revenue over total direct labor Um, so you think of direct labor as an investment the net multiplier is a measure of your return on that investment tells you how many dollars of revenue you are generating forever every dollar you spend on direct labor Uh, so three to one that's pretty good return on your money in the next one, uh, firms overhead rate rose for the third year in a row, increasing from 155% last year to 160% this year. So the overhead rate. So the overhead rate is uh, equals indirect costs over allocation measure. Um, so the overhead rate is a cost allocated to the production of a product or service. Overhead costs are expenses that are not directly to tie production such as the cost of the corporate office to allocate overhead costs. An overhead rate is applied to the direct costs tied to production by spreading or allocating the overhead costs based on specific measures. For example, overhead costs may be applied at a set rate based on the number of machine hours or labor hours required for the product. Um, So it really depends on what your bottom number is. Um, And I'm not sure actually what the Delta Clarity Report is, but it's basically indirect costs. So your overhead rate um, or your overhead Over some measure, typically that can be done uh, for direct labor hours. The next piece, the average collection period increased by four days to 75 days, although small firms dropped three days from last year to 73 days. So basically it took you 75 days to get your money from your clients. Now, top challenges facing financial leaders. The top financial challenge reported by firms was finding and retaining qualified staff, which was a new challenge out of this year. The next two top rated challenges were increasing profitability and managing growth. Although both challenges were down 19 and 12 percentage points from last year, respectively, succession planning and ownership transition and the newly added increasing financial knowledge savvy of project managers and leaders were tied for the fourth highest challenge spot. In contrast, organic top line growth was down 14 percentage points from 31 to 17 percent whereas alignment with executive management saw a decrease of 12 percentage points from 16 to 4. Managing mergers and acquisition activity also continued to drop this year. Overall, the top challenges were more evenly ranked compared to last year, indicating that firms are contending with various areas of concern. The top challenges this year suggested firms are having difficulties with talent management and highlight the material impact of talent on company financials. So from top to bottom, finding and retaining qualified staff, number one, top financial challenge, number two, increasing profitability, number three, managing growth, number four, succession planning and ownership transition, number five, increasing financial knowledge and savvy of project managers and leaders, number six, cash flow, seven, organic top line growth, eight, managing merger and acquisition activity, nine, unpredictable spending environment, and number 10, alignment with executive management. So really basically finding people is the number one challenge within the industry and then figuring out how to increase profitability Um, on this. If you have tuned into previous episodes of the construction partner podcast, I do talk about how to increase profitability. Uh, You basically have set fees, right? You get a percentage of construction. You get um, your overhead rates are basically fixed where you have a set number of people, a set office space. That's not changing. Typically a five year contract uh, people. Are pretty much locked in in salaries so fixed growth or fixed revenue um, on your projects fixed overhead costs so the only way to really increase profitability is being able to do more projects in less time it's effectively the only way that you can increase profitability you're not getting paid anymore for your projects so you need to figure out how to do more with less Um, software is basically the only way that you can do that managing growth um, that has to do basically with how you expand offices and get to the next location and do that uh, profitably, effectively. Um, Succession planning and ownership transition, that can be a big financial piece, especially if you don't have a buyer of the firm or a way to basically get your money out of it if you are in an ownership position or potentially to buy the firm uh, if you're looking to move up. Cash flow, huge piece, 26%. Uh, That is because it takes 75 days to get paid, a huge problem. And again, if you can bill sooner for projects, uh, and that's what software does. If you can, you're on a set structure, right? You get paid, say, 40% of your whole design fee through design documents, and you can move design documents instead of being billed in month six, which then you get paid, you know, 75 days later. Um, you can move that to month one, and then you get paid basically in month three, which is still before you would have even billed for that same percent completion. Um, basically with how you're doing it now. So you'd, you'd be net you know, five months ahead in your cash flow, hugely important to firms and their solvency effectively. All right, moving on. Operating profit on net revenue is up 1.2% to 14.4%. Um, and we calculate operating profit on net revenue is dividing pre-tax, pre-distribution profit by net revenue, total revenue minus consultants and other direct expenses. At 14.4%, the average operating profit on net revenue increased 1.2% from last year's 13.2%. This continues a 10-year gradual climb from a low of 8.4% in 2009. Since firms must achieve at least 15% operating profit on net revenue to be a high performer, it is expected that high performers excel in this category. Once again, high performers have well exceeded the 15% threshold with an operating profit on net revenue of 22.9% percent, which is 8.5 percent higher than the overall average and almost triple that of other firms. Consistent with other financial metrics, high performers are substantially, uh, as they continue to lead the way, their numbers are up substantially as they continue to lead the way in the A and E industry. So for 2018, uh, and these are the numbers out of the report, top quarter is 22 percent median is 14.4% and bottom quarter is 5.9%. And all those numbers are up across the board. Next, utilization rate, 60% or 59.8%. And that's calculated by dividing the total cost of labor charged to projects by the total cost total labor cost of the firm. So total labor uh, build to projects over the total labor cost of the firm. Although firms reported a slight decrease, last year utilization rates slightly increased Hold on. Although firms reported a slight decrease last year, utilization rates increased slightly to 59.8% this year, a climb of 0.4%. Although small firms have the highest utilization rates across firm sizes, large firms had the biggest year-over-year increase of 1.3%. This slight bump in utilization rates coupled with net revenue increases can mean that firms are investing more in their employees, e.g. professional development, with the overall utilization rate hovering around 60%, firms should continue to monitor fluctuations in employee turnover and onboarding time, as these can significantly impact utilization. Firms with higher utilization tend to have lower employee turnover and higher net revenue per employee. And that's actually pretty interesting, Um, so that's my comments. Firms with higher utilization rates tend to have lower employee turnover and higher net revenue per employee Meaning that uh, you have more people billing more often to projects. So they're either not idle or not doing as much administrative uh, tasks. So you effectively have the right people in the right roles so that they can be always productive uh, in billing the projects. So that's um, how I'm interpreting that because usually if you're bored, you don't wanna wanna be around. Um, And it could be that they lay off employees um, when those utilization rate drops. So there's, there's a lot to read into that number, um, and it's not just as straightforward um, as they might seem. If you have employees that are constantly on projects and, you know, really grinding through, uh, they're going to suffer burnout and just go somewhere else. So there's there's a balance in that, um, and that number is not always just, just as uh, straightforward as you might think. All right, uh, net labor multiplier calculated by dividing net revenue by direct labor the cost of labor charged to projects so after a decline last year net labor multiple multiplier increased to 3.01 similar to operating profit on net revenue high performers drove the net labor multiplier up this year although slight increases can also be seen across small medium and ae firms high performers are once again outpacing what is required and managing labor costs exceptionally well one of the criteria to be a high performer is a net labor multiple multiplier of 3.0 or above meaning that the average firm has surpassed the high performer threshold for this metric which is a positive sign for the industry overall and uh, so the top quarter 3.39 net labor multiplier and the bottom quarter 2.61 next total payroll multiplier is 1.78 which is calculated by dividing net revenue total labor or utilization rate times net labor multiplier so you take that three times Um, the utilization rate of 60%, basically, and you get 1.78. So this year, total payroll multiplier saw a slight increase to 1.78. The biggest change occurred across medium firms whose multiplier increased 0.09 points from last year, although high performers are still consistently higher than other firm types. This year's increase could be attributed to higher gross wages, retirement fund contributions, and payroll taxes. So the top quarter on the payroll multiplier is 2, and the bottom quarter is 1.57. Overhead rate calculated by dividing total overhead before distributions by total direct labor expense. So this year's overhead rate continued to trend upward with 5% increase to an overall rate of 160%. High performers were on par with large firms this year, both with overhead rates of 160%. Large firms saw a 5% decrease in overhead rates, whereas high performers saw a 5% increase compared to last year. Or Large firms saw a 5% decrease, high performers saw a 5% increase. Small firms reported the biggest jump this year with an 11% increase in their overhead rates. The overall increase may be due to firms making investments back into their business and into employees, e.g. wages, professional development, 401Ks, healthcare, or it could be the result of inflated costs for office space or other general costs of doing business. It is important that firms understand the details of their overhead numbers and monitor changes frequently because then it can have significant downstream impact on firms' performance and the firm's ability to win projects. So the overhead rate, uh, top quarter is 1.0 or 186%, median 160%, and bottom quarter, 133%. Net revenue per employee. All right, this is $844,000 for the median firm. It's calculated by dividing net revenues by average total staff during the year, including principals. So the net revenue per employee increased by more than $11,000 this year, $11,269 exact high performers had the highest revenue net revenue per employee this year with a $13,500 increase from last year the overall increase is likely due to high turnover rates which leads to firms delivering more projects from fewer employees this aligns with the project management challenges of staff shortages and competing priorities in addition increasing overhead rates and increasing gross raises could be contributing factors firms with higher net revenue per employee had lower staff growth and overhead rates um, so the top quarter firms $168,872 per employee. The median $144,000 in the bottom quarter $120,144. And also note like with these numbers, just because a firm has a higher um, net revenue per employee doesn't mean that all that goes to the bottom line. As you can see, you know, uh, the firm's only making 14%. So depending on your revenues, um, that could or could not be a lot of money left over. So um, and granted, like out of this, your net revenue per employee also means like all your health care, all your expenses, the overhead rates, everything else needs to be taken out of this number. Um, so the more money a firm can make on each individual employee, the more things that they can do for a given employee. So a uh, an average salary across a firm really should be about half its net revenue. Um, So like your salary, let's say your salaries for this case, like $70,000, which is half or $72,000, which is half one hundred forty-four. dollars And then you add on top of that. So let's take that uh, $72,000 times, let's just say 1.3. That's roughly what it would take to um, do your employee taxes, social security, um, basically everything that a firm has to pay is about 30% more. Um, on your salary. So that ends up being $93,600. So you minus that 44, oops, 144,000. So that's 50 grand, basically, that they have to spend um, on you on office space and have profit. So let's take that uh, 50,400 times Uh, 0.15. <clears throat> that's uh less 7500 bucks. So we'll add that $50,400 back in. Uh so that leaves 42 grand. Let's say you take up a um 100 square feet of office space times another um really it can be like 20 bucks a foot, so another 2 grand. So now you're down to 40 grand. Um and then plus some common spaces. Right. So like this is this is where things start adding up, um, not to mention like coffee and travel and insurance and overhead for the firm itself. So you can see where like, you know, maybe a firm might be making 20 grand per employee. Um, and, you know, as a firm, you need to really stack cash over years so that you have some for lean times and don't have to lay people off um, and then or invest into other products, productivity, Um improvements in the office, equipment, computers, licenses, software, all that kind of great stuff. So um, understand that the firm needs to make about double whatever your salary is to um, be able to afford to hire you. Um, or, All right, so here we go. We, we'll dive into it next here. So the total employee cost is $98,619. So 98619 And... 144. So again, it's, it's pretty close to that 50 grand that we, we talked about. Um, so it's the sum of total labor and other labor-related expenses, taxes, insurance divided by the average number of employees during the year excludes bonuses. So the average total employee cost increased four grand this year, and this metric is beginning to grow steadily after a slight plateau over the last couple of years. Firms of all sizes reported substantial increase this year, with small firms reporting the steepest incline of more than six grand from last year. These increases are in line with other financial metrics this year, such as the increase in overhead rates. Firms that offer more benefits, such as medical, four hundred one k retirement plans, performance bonuses, or paid overtime, understandably had higher total employee costs. So, the top quarter firms, uh, one hundred ten thousand two hundred forty seven dollars, the median ninety eight thousand six hundred nineteen dollars, and the bottom quarter eighty six nine. Uh, Thirty. So again, with that, the differences end up being anywhere from thirty-four thousand on the bottom to uh, one sixty-eight minus one ten, so it's fifty-eight grand on the top. So um, again, the, the firms are not making like crazy money on each person. Um, and again, that's the total employee cost. It's not including um, really the the overhead of the firm. So that's not including, um, again, rent and and things like that. Uh, Average collection period, basically 75 days, the time it takes you to collect anything. Uh, The top quarter firms were 95 days, the median 75 and the bottom quarter, 55 days. Um, So it's been a nice downward trend by and large over the last six, seven years, um, and they were fairly comparable across the board. Small firms have traditionally struggled in this area, but appear to be setting the bar for all other firms this year. High performers also a significant jump with an eight day increase compared to the previous year. Although it seems to be taking firms longer to receive payment for services rendered, firms may just have certain types of contracts that prevent them from collecting quickly, especially government contracts. And that's a 90 day collection period. Firms with higher average collection periods were more likely to hold unit price and design build contracts. So the average collection period increase could also be driven by internal challenges that might be slowing down the process. Um, so those internal challenges are basically like, don't have your project managers asking for money. That should be done by your accounting department, um, to make sure that you're getting paid on time. That's, uh, that's really their job. And if it comes to it, then yes, have your principal project managers, all those ask for money. Um, but have your accounting department do that. So net fixed assets per employee, um, $6,892, basically $6,900. And, uh, this is down. $460 from the previous year. Average net fixed assets went slightly down overall. There was a more variability across firm types and sizes with small firms seeing the biggest drop over the last years. So this again goes into the whole number of how much a firm is spending on people, this is equipment, software and other products and services that firms effectively have to buy so that you can do your job. So again, um, don't be overwhelmed by the high uh, maybe revenue numbers that uh, some of these firms are showing um, per employee. You kind of need those higher revenue numbers to be there so that firms, again, have longevity, have solvency, and are gonna be able to be around for years or sustained. Um, lawsuits or anything else of that uh, sort going through the years so super important for firms to be financially solvent that's why these numbers are incredibly important to you for you to understand and to understand where your firm stands Um, some firms do share these numbers and push them out so it's important for you to understand them ask questions if you don't to you, your management and see where you might be able to help. So again, uh, 6,900 bucks in total employee um, assets. Next, we go to firm valuation. So I lost my spot here. Um, so firm valuation, so we go down All right, average collection, Netflix assets. Firm valuation. More than half of all firms this year indicated that they completed a firm valuation. There were notable differences between firms of different sizes. Medium firms were far more likely to have completed a firm valuation than large or small firms. Whereas last year, large firms were considerably more likely to complete a firm valuation. Of those firms that have not completed a firm valuation, Nearly half, 47.5%, plan on completing one in 2019, with 588 of medium firms planning a firm valuation. This shows a continued focus on the next generation of business. Firms that have completed a firm valuation are more likely to have a succession plan, which may include a merger or acquisition. Firms are becoming more sophisticated, increasingly aware, they need to be planning for the long-term future of the company. So basically, having a valuation is super important. Having all your financial house in order is super important, especially if you're going to sell Uh, These need to be done. You need to understand where you're at. Um, (laughs) Your firm could be worth more or less uh, than you might anticipate. So totally important to have that. And it also helps uh, for any financing you might be doing. If you need to borrow against the firm, having that valuation in place um, will help you be uh, more financially literate when you go talk to bankers if you do need to um, extend credit lines or anything like that. So next is the current ratio, which the current ratio is calculated by dividing current assets, that's cash and near cash assets, by current liabilities, um, so anything due basically this year. So 2.6 is the current ratio of the average firm. The top quarter was 3.87, and the bottom quarter, 1.84. Debt-to-equity ratio, so calculated by dividing total liabilities by stockholders' equity, so 083 top quarter 1.43 in the bottom quarter 0.38 um, so basically you want that number pretty low if you're more of a cash and carry type of firm so return on equity uh, calculated by dividing pre-tax income operating profit less bonuses interest, and other income or expenses by stockholders equity so that uh, you p- take your pre-tax income and then see how much stockholder equity you have and uh, you times that by 100 so 21.6 percent for the median the bottom quarter lost four and a half percent and then the top quarter the return was 43.8 percent so quite high disparity there um, across firms Um, small medium large were fairly equal across the board Um, just for comparison contracts held by type so next, we're, we're getting into contracts here. Again, super important for your finances. Um, this is the first year that firms were asked about their contracts, uh, where they were the primary contract holder. The majority of contracts that are held by firms are fixed price, 38%, and unit price, 35%. So high performers were more likely to hold fixed price and unit price contracts, whereas they were less likely to hold cost plus and design build contracts. Firms with a higher percentage of unit price contracts also tend to have higher win rates, and capture rates. As the market change in the industry evolves, firms will want to monitor changes and fluctuations in contract types to ensure their firms and project managers are well-equipped to manage the contracts accordingly. So fixed price, 58% of contracts. Unit price, 35%. Cost plus, 21%. Other, 15%. I'm not sure what those would be. Um, probably an hourly or something else. Um, design build, 9%. Integrated project delivery, 5%. Next, here we're we're getting towards the, the end of the report. Top initiatives to address financial challenges. So, firms rank the top three initiatives to address their financial challenges. However, most of these top initiatives did not align with their top rated financial challenges this year. Business process improvement was ranked as the top initiative for the second year in a row, although. The percentage of firms focusing on this initiative declined 20% this year. This year, participants were asked about a new initiative, training project managers on financial management. This initiative rose to the second highest ranked initiative and was chosen by more than half of all firms as one of their top three initiatives. There appears to be a need for alignment between project management and accounting in firms and for project managers to have a clear understanding of project financials. The visibility project managers need in order to deliver successful projects is often controlled by the financial side of the business. Finally, Better Forecasting was the third highest ranked initiative this year, 40%, with top challenges focusing on human capital management, more firms should be considered prioritizing investment in talent acquisition and retention or tie in strategic human capital management goals with their overall process improvement initiatives. So from top to bottom, business process improvement, number one, training project managers on financial management, number two, better forecasting, number three, better managing growth, number four, organizational changes, realignments, number five, increased spending for talent acquisition or retention, number six, completing or preparing for merger acquisition, number seven, streamlining billing process, eight, new financial system implementation, nine, improved risk management plans and systems, number 10, and other Number eleven so that's that's what we have for the financial metrics and next we are I mean the the big thing here too is that project managers are rarely trained in finance there's um, really very little that uh, project managers um, get trained on what they judged by, and especially if their bonuses or anything else is tied to financial performance, um, they're basically not um, tied to any of that. So firms, here's basically the clarity outlook. Firm financials are impacted by challenges in other areas of business, particularly project management and human capital management. Financial leaders identified finding and retaining qualified staff, increasing product profitability, and managing growth as their top challenges. the next three years. To effectively tackle these challenges, firms need to find ways to better align financial management operations and human capital management so that firm leaders can work together to tackle key initiatives and drive the business forward. Um, It's basically the big takeaway. Like, do do what you need to and, you know, understand the finances. These numbers are super important. Um, It might not seem like a lot to have these numbers, but it takes uh, quite a bit to generate them and create them and then once you have them you can do quite a bit with so bottom line know your numbers and uh, next week on the construction partner podcast we will talk business development and how to improve that process through your firm so thank you for listening and until next time